Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest William Yateman. He's a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Ryan Young is a uh, senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. We'll be talking about the government shutdown. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It is September the 29th, and on this day in 2008, after Congress failed to pass a $700 billion bank bailout plan, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 777.68 points. At the time, the largest single-day point loss in history, Uh, the Dow 7%, a greater loss than uh, the 684 uh, points for GID on September the 17th, 2001. The first trading day post 9/11, the S&P 500 also suffered its biggest one-day loss since 1987 crash, dropping 8.8 percent, and the Nasdaq fell 9.1 percent, its biggest single-day loss in eight years. The huge decline followed the bankruptcies of Wall Street brokerage firm Lehman Brothers, savings and loan bank Washington Mutual, as well as the Fed's announcement that it would provide an $85 billion bailout for insurance provider American International Group better known as AIG, to keep it from going under. Playing some favorites there, I would say. Also playing into things was a housing slowdown that triggered homeowners to suffer prime, subprime mortgage defaults, widespread job losses, and the Fed's intervention to bail out investment bank Bear Stearns, as well as government-sponsored Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Congress' inability to pass the Bush administration's bill led to fears that the next frozen credit markets would uh, be able to uh, rebound quickly, causing sellers to shed their stocks. The Dow Jones Industrial Average drop equal to a whopping $1.2 trillion loss in market value, contributing to an 18-month-long grand or Great Recession. Congress eventually did pass a bailout bill, but with Bush uh, signing the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act of 2008, the uh, Dow drop remained the largest single-day drop <clears throat> since 2018. Well, uh, speaking of stocks, the U.S. stock market closed up yesterday, a tidbit, uh, less than 1%. S&P 500, NASDAQ on pace to close out the worst month of 2023 despite gains. Stocks jumped after unemployment data came in better than expected Thursday, and Treasury yields stabilized from three straight days of gains. Right now, the futures look bright. They're up over 100. That's the Dow Jones Industrial Average, but we'll see how the day ends up. Federal agencies notified employees yesterday to begin preparing for a government shutdown as an impasse in Congress over spending bills continued in the face of midnight deadline tomorrow. The new fiscal year begins October the 1st, and absent statutory required funding legislation, non-essential federal government services will be suspended beginning Monday. Multiple disagreements exist among both parties across both chambers of Congress. The Senate advanced a bipartisan short-term funding bill, which may be passed at the earliest on Sunday. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has indicated he won't bring the Senate bill up for a vote. Sticking points between the House and the Senate include border security, Ukraine, and overall spending levels, while a faction of conservative lawmakers have pushed McCarthy to pass individual appropriations bills as opposed to an omnibus package, which, by the way, he promised to do back in February. So uh, he he should be no stranger to the concept. Should the federal government shut down tomorrow night, it would be the 22nd time since 2000 or since 1976 the 22nd time but the most days it was shut down i think is 34 days <clears throat> i think the pins are set for 
probably a longer shutdown this time. And quite frankly, I don't think that's necessarily bad. Better to get the economy or, or get the budget in, in uh, control rather than to continue government operations, in my opinion. While House Republicans launched their formal impeachment hearing Thursday against President Joe Biden, saying they intend to provide accountability as they make the case to the public, their colleagues and skeptics in the Senate, the chairman of the Oversight, Judiciary, and Ways and Means Committees are using the first hearing of the impeachment inquiry to review the constitutional and legal questions involved, They're trying to show what they say are links to his son's hunters overseas businesses, though key witnesses said they do not yet see hard evidence of impeachable offenses. My goodness. Uh, Representative James Comer, the oversight chairman, he's from Kentucky, said the lawmakers have a mountain of evidence that would show that uh, the elder Biden abused his public office for his family's financial gain. Don't see the evidence. My goodness, it's just hard to believe. Corporate media like CNN, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, and ABC, which were once eager to amplify Democrats' sham impeachments of former President Donald Trump, did the bidding of the Biden administration on Thursday when they refused to air footage of the Republicans' impeachment hearings. No kidding. Instead of covering the uh, GOP's impeachment inquiry and showing the public the latest round of Biden corruption evidence, several notorious Trump impeachment cheerleaders such as CNN, MSNBC, chose to uh, flood their front pages and airwaves with footage of Biden's democracy-themed Arizona speech. These uh, media organizations that acknowledged the impeachment inquiry was happening only did so to cartoonishly glad-hand Democrats for using GOP's own talking points against them and pen dishonest fact checks designed to discredit evidence of Biden's corruption. So there they go again. The media uh, complicit in uh, the Democrat plan, uh, game plan. Politicos from all its persuasions found fault with a Republican presidential debate on Wednesday night hosted by Fox News, which devolved into chaos at times. Before a single candidate was introduced, the debate was off to a rough start when Fox News business host Stuart Varney gaffed while introducing Univision's Ilya Calderon. Candidates talking over each other was a common theme in the debate. CPAC chairman Mac Schlapp called one moment absolute chaos in a post on X, or what was former Twitter. Apparently, the viewing audience was down 25% compared to the first debate. The Trump campaign has asked the Republican National Committee to put an end to any further primary debates following a second debate that former President Trump skipped. Uh, The statement was uh, sent via email from Trump's press office just uh, before Wednesday Wednesday night's debate wrapped. And like most things Trump-related, it was equal parts unsurprising and still newsworthy. The note came from senior advisor Chris LaSavita, who called the second debate boring and inconsequential before touting Trump's lead in the primary polling. I think it's a pretty good idea to consolidate. Let's do away with the debate. It's pretty obvious he's going to win the primary. That would be Trump. And let's move on and start uh, working on uh, our game plan against Biden. The Heritage Foundation has just published an astonishing study measuring how many diversity, equity, and inclusion instructors there are in major public state universities. Now, mind you, we've done away with affirmative action, according to the Supreme Court. So the worst state was Virginia with 6.5 DEI personnel for every 100 faculty members. 6.5. The University of Virginia has 94 Uh, diversity officers on the payroll that uh, researchers could identify. There are probably many more than that. George Mason University was uh, almost eight diversity personnel for every 100 teachers is the grand champion of wasting money on DEI. Rather than raise tuition next year, why don't we just uh, get these states, get rid of uh, the DEI programs that drain resources from classrooms and just create propaganda and diversion away from good education? That would be my plan. The latest round of uh, state uh, test results is uh, resulting in alarm in Baltimore City Schools. Project Baltimore found that 40% of Baltimore City High Schools, where the state exam was given, did not have one single student score proficient in math. 
Not one student. Can you imagine that? 40% of the high schools. This is educational homicide, said Jason Rodriguez, Deputy Director of uh, People Empowered by Struggle, a Baltimore-based nonprofit. Last year, Baltimore City Schools received $1.6 billion from taxpayers, the most ever. The district also received $799 million in COVID relief funding from the federal government. And still not a single student tested at 13 high schools scored proficient on the state math test. So it's not a fundraising issue. We're getting plenty of funding, said Rodriguez. I don't think the money is the issue. I think the accountability is the issue. Absolutely. And how about school choice? How about uh, uh, getting rid of the uh, monopoly or reducing the power of the monopoly? Previous reporting by the same station found that the CEO of Baltimore City Schools is pulling down a cool $444,875 a year in total compensation. Talk about rewarding failure. The teachers union keeps uh, arguing that the school just needs more money, but Baltimore is proof that no amount of taxpayer dollars can fix monopoly public school systems. We need choice everywhere. Well, here's why a, a way to slash $21 trillion of wasteful federal spending Get rid of transit subsidies. The more the government throws at transit systems, the fewer people that ride the buses and trains. Over the past three years, transit ridership has plummeted, mostly because the number of Americans are working at home has tripled from 5.7% to 15.2% in 2022. Transit market share has dropped from 5% nationally in 2019 to 3%. Despite building expensive subways and light rail trains, transit commuting dropped by about 30,000 daily between 1960 and 2019, the last pandemic year. At the same time, auto commuting increased by more than 105 million daily trips. Build roads, not transit. Transit is said to be the vital in big cities. Well, that's absolutely wrong. Out of the 56 major metropolitan areas, over 1 million population, uh, transit ridership has uh, lost between 3 and 60% of commuter market share. San Francisco, the largest, strongest transit commute system and market, lost 57% of its market share. Can you believe that? Uh, New York is by far the biggest transit system in the country, but even the New York transit system lost 25% of its riders. As we move even faster into the era of telecommuting from home, and as we approach the age of automated cars that will take passengers from door to door at a fraction of the cost to taxpayers and commuters, uh, and big-time savings for commuters, the government should get out of the transit business altogether. Why not save $17 trillion in transit subsidies? This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow with Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Ryan Young, Senior Economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Right now we have with us William Yateman. William is a Senior Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. Uh, We're a nonprofit law firm, and we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. Terrific organization. I hope you check out the website, pacificlegal.org, pacificlegal.org. Well, we've got a, certainly a fluid situation on up on Capitol Hill. Looks like we're about a day and a half away from a shutdown. So what are your thoughts? Indeed. So uh, uh, continuing this long-running saga that we've been talking about on Fridays, um, a shutdown appears all but inevitable. This would be on midnight of September 30th, so uh, tomorrow, Saturday. Um, And how did we get here? Um, So I guess I'll set the table. Um, It all started when, uh, at the beginning of the 118th Congress, when the House Freedom Caucus extracted from Speaker McCarthy, in exchange for their support for him to become Speaker, a promise that the House of Representatives would go through, would return to regular order, quote-unquote. And what that means is that Congress would go through the deliberations of uh, passing these 12 spending bills, the way Congress is supposed to appropriate um, for too long, um, I guess about 40-odd years now, Congress has put spending on autopilot. It's abandoned these processes. Mm -hmm. And that's a big reason why our our debt ceiling is at $34 trillion. Um, But the long and short of it is... uh, McCarthy promises to go through regular order on spending. Um, he doesn't ultimately do it. Um, he sort of, uh, it does not become a priority. And it's only a week ago, with a week, uh, about 10 days before the shutdown, um, that McCarthy tries to pass on a stopgap measure, one of these autopilot continuing resolutions, um, that Freedom Caucus box. Um, and so there's only about 10 days left before the shutdown. Speaker McCarthy, and we spoke about this last Friday, pivoted to a new strategy. And that was, over the past week, to pass as many spending bills as possible, to to go through as much of this regular order as possible, time permitting, um, and to show the House Freedom Caucus, hey, I'm committed to this regular order. Um, And in exchange for this sort of this start, for getting the ball rolling, he wanted the House Freedom Caucus to support a stopgap spending measure. Um, This week, thus, the House passed three appropriations bills. And today, at 10 a.m., uh, Speaker McCarthy is going to put his stopgap spending measure before the House. So it's anyone's guess how this is going to play out, how his strategy is going to play out. Um, it even were the House to pass this stopgap measure, which I believe uh, funds the government um, at a pace of $1.47 trillion mm-hmm. um, through November 17th, and would give uh, uh, Congress the opportunity to, to pass a a full slate of spending bills that go into regular order. Even if the House passes this measure, which it's anyone's guess, the Senate has a different stopgap spending measure at about $100 billion higher. We've spoken about that before. 
So they would still need to resolve the differences uh, between the two bills, and that would take time. Um, that is to say, a shutdown appears inevitable. Um, and how this plays out is anyone's guess. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head at the outset when you said the situation is fluid. Um, I, it's perhaps it's possible that, that McCarthy has placated the House Freedom Caucus um, with this, uh, what appears to be a commitment to regular order that he's demonstrated over the last week. Um, it's also possible that his, the Speaker McCarthy's strategy fails. Um, it's possible that enough uh, House Republicans peel off and work with House Democrats to basically go along with what the Senate has done. Um, is it possible we're in a prolonged government shutdown? So yeah. a lot will hinge on the vote today at 10 a.m. Um, all of this, you know, and this is something I've been saying Friday after Friday after Friday. Um, we could have avoided this if Congress had just done their job, if Speaker McCarthy had followed through on his promise um, from the outset of the 118th Congress and, and had made a, a real commitment to the hard work of doing the deliberations behind these appropriations bills, this so-called regular order. Um, and because he didn't do the hard work, because he waited to the last second, um, it, uh, you know, that's the current, I guess, poor hand that he's got to play now. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, anyone's guess, highly fluid. Well, returning to regular order seems to me it should be a, a priority for both houses of the chamber. Should uh, should uh, try and re uh, conduct business in such a way. I mean, we're thirty-four trillion dollars in debt, uh, and all that uh, the continuing resolutions do is just continue the same process that we've had in the past for the last twenty years. So I, I back the uh, Freedom Caucus and what they're working to do. And they're not being outrageous. They're simply saying, hey, you made a promise in February. We want you to keep the promise. And uh, I, I guess the real sales job is going to be with the Senate. They have to get these these people on board. And, of course, the President of the United States. If the Senate agrees and goes along and the President signs off on the thing, in my view, we should basically, uh, the uh, Freedom Caucus should say, we are closed down, the government, until we get agreement on regular order uh, uh, budget. Look, I, again, as listeners are no doubt aware, um, I've been echoing that same theme for multiple Fridays. So yeah. I'm highly sympathetic to what you said. It's frankly outrageous that Congress has abandoned this hard work of, of, uh, of, spend, of deliberation on spending. I mean, right. the power of the purse is their most important, key, crucial, central power of the legislature. And the fact that they've largely abandoned it for decades, um, again, it's outrageous. And the, the, the chickens are coming home to roost. As yeah. you said, $34 trillion worth of debt. That's the direct result of this autopilot spending that Congress has been, um, unfortunately, uh, beset with for the last 40-odd years. I'll ask you a couple of questions on, on a different topic. Uh, Special Counsel Jack Smith is trying to limit or provide a gag order on Trump during this election. What are your thoughts? This is remarkable. I mean, and it's certainly unprecedented, and it gets to all the the constitutional difficulties um, of this prosecution. So, yes, we, we what we have here um, is, is exactly, frankly, what Trump had been talking about, mm -hmm. um, which is the use of this uh, investigation to, to, in essence, shut him up while he's on the campaign trail. And I'm not saying that's Jack Smith's um, direct intention, but I am saying <laughs> it is an ancillary effect of, of what he's seeking. Um, so it, it's, it gets to how, frankly, the, this particular prosecution, um, you know, I've said this on multiple Fridays before, but it, I think the president would, President Biden, um, would have done a great thing for the country um, had he exercised the administration's discretion to, in essence, stop this investigation. Yeah. It's led directly to this dynamic, and it's, you know, it, it's, this is a... A constitutional dark cloud over the country. I mean, the, the sitting president is prosecuting his administration, um, the presumptive Republican nominee, his opponent. Right. And, you know, the, the extent to which this litigation, this ongoing litigation, um, directly impinges, directly affects uh, the ongoing campaign. You know, again, we're in terra incognita. This is unprecedented. Yeah. And it, it, it's, I find it highly constitutional, constitutionally uncomfortable. Well, usually uh, justice uh, grinds slow, but it grinds fine, the, the uh, wheels of justice. Uh, but not in the case of the Letitia James case up in New York. 
Uh, apparently, the judge just said, forget the trial. I'm going to make a summary judgment on this issue. I have never seen something so outrageous in all my life. What are your thoughts? Well, I saw that, um, you know, and indeed, so I've actually not read up on that enough to speak on it authoritatively, but to the extent that there were um, procedural shortcuts to get to that result, um, you know, that was the trumped-up charge, I believe. That's the one where they're accusing him of tax crimes for inflating the value of his uh, uh, property assets. Again, if his name wasn't Trump, um, there is no doubt that that prosecution would not have occurred. So yeah. it's part and parcel of multiple politicized prosecutions going on. And again, I think they're all constitutionally unhealthy. I agree. William Yateman, again, senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. PacificLegal.org is the website. I hope you'll check it out. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Ryan Young. He is a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. I hope you go to the website and uh, check out their performances and get some tickets. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Ryan Young. He is a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, Ryan. Tell us about the Competitive Enterprise Institute. We are a think tank based in Washington. We specialize in all things having to do with regulation, and uh, we are just now starting the celebration of our 40th anniversary. We were founded in 1984, and last night we had our big annual dinner with 500 people attending, um, and uh, we see great things in the future. Yeah. Uh, making a tremendous contribution uh, to American society. CEI.org is the website, CEI.org. Ryan, here we are on the throes of a government shutdown, and I thought uh, it would be really interesting to get your thoughts on the possible consequences, even any advantages that we would have with this shutdown, considering the political environment. Yeah, I do think a shutdown is going to happen. Um, I hope that I'm wrong. You never know if they might strike a last-minute deal. Mm. Um, but it does look like we're headed to a shutdown. 
I don't think um, economically it's going to be that big a deal. Hmm. Um, the mail would stop being delivered. Some services would be unavailable. Um, people who need a passport might have a, a rough time of it, if, especially if the shutdown lasts a while. Um, but day-to-day life will be unaffected. Um, I saw Goldman Sachs and some other firms are estimating that uh, GDP could take a hit if the shutdown lasts a while, but I don't necessarily know that's going to be the case. Um, so, But I think the consequences are more, more political. We have a broken budget process, and uh, we have a new generation of politicians who seem to be more interested in the act of combat for its own sake than for advancing ideas or policies that they believe in. And I think that is the larger problem, not so much the shutdown itself. Uh, gotcha. Well, in fact, the market is kind of shrugging its shoulders right now. At least the futures are saying that, uh, you know, things are going to go on. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average futures are up uh, about 150. So uh, that's an indication, perhaps, that there might uh, it might not be such a bumpy road anyhow in the short term. Uh, but, you know, returning to regular order, getting a budget in hand, uh, you know, if we just had a, a continuing resolution as we've had for the last, I don't know, some 20 years to, in order to create the budget process, uh, to replace the budget process, I, sh- I should say, uh, just leads to more worth $34 trillion in debt right now. That is a death knell for the American society and for American economy. It is, and neither party has any interest in fixing that. Um, and that concerns me. <clears throat> I focus more on regulation, trade, um, but it keeps coming back to that national debt. And you add in Social Security and Medicare and the unfunded liabilities that we have for that, and $34 trillion all of a sudden becomes over $100 trillion. That's about four times America's entire GDP just in debt. So, I, I mean, in my opinion, and I know that... Uh, Kevin McCarthy's moving forward with this uh, reluctantly because he agreed to do it back in February, and then we just to have, uh, go to regular order and have budget bills. Uh, but if the alternative is if we continue this process, I mean, it's again, I just repeat, I don't see any other way out of this. Yeah, I agree. Um, you can say that McCarthy is a weak leader. You can also say that he was set up in an impossible job that nobody could do, and it's possible that both of those things are true as well mm-hmm. but the process is broken so if we don't if we want to avoid having shutdowns every couple of years and remember we just went through this a couple of years ago um, then we have to make some structural institution level changes to how we approach the budget process and people smarter than me are the ones who will uh, have ideas on that but clearly something is broken and we need a system level fix so uh, what will be the consequences if, for example, uh, the government is shut down for 30, 45, or 60 days? Um, you know, the mail won't be delivered, you know, passports and all that. Uh, schools will remain open because those are state and local. Mm-hmm. Um, funding, uh, you might have some funding issues, but, you know, you'll still drop your kids off at school every day. Um, uh, government can, can uh, start to prioritize its spending as in just not spend on low-priority things so it can keep um, other things open like national defense, customs, airports, that sort of thing. Um, So they might have to make some choices, but I don't see it coming to that. Okay, so, I mean, the other part of this, which nobody talks about, is the fact that the government is still getting revenue from taxes. That's right. Yeah, they still collect tariffs, income tax revenues from quarterly payments, that sort of thing. Um, The IRS is going to furlough some employees, but not all. So they'll still be collecting some revenue. So it, it won't be as devastating as they think. It's just agencies won't have appropriate uh, budgets appropriated that will tell them what they can spend on. Well, thank you for that, Ryan. Moving to uh, the economy, it seems to me that, that the more and more indicators that we're looking at a recession going forward. What are your thoughts? Um, I don't think we're going to have a recession because the fundamentals in the economy have been surprisingly strong, even after the pandemic and the inflation that resulted from it. Um, we just got some revised numbers out this week. Um, economic growth GDP is at 2.1%, and that's if you go back and zoom out and look at the last century. The average rate of real GDP growth is about 2.1%, so we're mm. about average. Inflation's still high. The Fed is more or less doing the right thing. Um, interest rates are higher than they used to be, which helps to slow down that, that velocity of money that got so high from all the stimulus. Um, and the labor market remains strong. Unemployment is very low. We saw some jobless claims go up last week. There are a little over 200,000 now, 
Um, and for context, the break-even point for uh, the job market either growing or shrinking is about 400,000 new job claims per week. As people go on and off, there's a lot of job churn every week. 400,000 is your break-even point. We're at 200,000, which means even with unemployment as low as it is, um, we're still creating on pace to create more than a million new jobs uh, over the course of a year. So that's that's not fantastic, but it's not a shrinking economy, and I don't see that changing. One, one concern I have about that, however, is if it's peeled the onion a little bit, a lot of those jobs are government jobs that are being created. Seeing the percentage of jobs in the United States uh, growing in terms of government jobs versus the private sector. Yeah, and we've even seen some cutbacks in the tech sector and the private sector. Um, a bright spot, though, surprisingly, has been small businesses. Um, about 90% of new job creation over the last couple of years has been in small and medium businesses. Um, so, you know, even with big antitrust cases like we saw this week against Amazon and other cases against Google and, and Meta, Facebook's parent company, um, the private economy on the whole is actually doing better than we thought. Now, if we can do something to pare back some of that public sector bloat, uh, we'd be in even better shape. But at the moment, I don't think we're in, in the, we have a recession on the way. Interesting. Uh, right. You brought up Amazon and uh, the antitrust suit. And there's certainly some suits that are going to be coming up against, the cases becoming against the Alphabet uh, and Google so uh, and, and other social media companies. Do you have any thoughts on that from an economic uh, point of view? Yeah, I, uh, I think the FTC and the Justice Department are going to lose the cases uh, because the complaints tend to be poorly structured. Um, basically, the Amazon case hinges on a very specialized market definition that is constructed to make Amazon look more dominant than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and judges tend not to buy that. Cause Amazon controls about mm, 10% of retail, and then the specially defined newly created terms that the FTC is using has it dominating, you know, 70 to 80 percent of some sub-market, and that's what they're focusing on. The judges aren't going to buy that. They haven't in the past, and they aren't now. Um, but it is going to cause a, a pretty big drag on Amazon as far as legal expenses and any remedies that they might have to make just as a concession to the FTC. Um, so that's you know, there's, we're seeing a lot of cases like that, but. They're not going to win in court mostly. It's, it's mostly for show. So interesting. Again, Ryan Young, uh, senior economist uh, with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. I encourage you to visit the website, cei.org, cei.org. Ryan, congratulations on your 40 years in business and uh, your celebration last night. Really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now 
now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I'd like to uh, welcome aboard Matt and uh, Megan Chionis with uh, the uh, great firm of Gulf Coast International Properties, our dynamic husband and wife team, and just glad to have them aboard. And by the way, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, there are people that you want to sit down and talk to. They have something called the uh, complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. So I hope you'll give them a call if you're thinking about selling. Again, it can be a very stressful situation and they, if you want them on your side. The website, I should say the phone number is 239 239- 269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Again, Matt and Megan Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Well, John Fetterman uh, brought dishonor to the United States Congress by walking onto the Senate floor twice last week in a short sleeve shirt and shorts. The uh, senator from Pennsylvania, quite frankly, has no class in my opinion. By unanimous consent, the Senate adopted the Manchin-Romney Show Our Respect to the Senate. Uh, the acronym is SHORTS <laughs> Resolution. Uh, it's uh, Senate Resolution 376 to reinstate a coat and tie requirement on the Senate floor. Fetterman says he'll comply on those rare occasions when he's in the uh, presiding officer's chair, but otherwise he'll continue to use unique style of dress and shout his votes from the cloakroom door. I'm sure that would make uh, the people in Pennsylvania very proud, the Senator uh, Fetterman from Pennsylvania. Well, this is pretty shocking. Uh, Non-governmental organizations, the the acronym is NGOs, aiding uh, border crossers and illegal aliens are raking in millions in American taxpayer cash from President Joe Biden's Department of Homeland Security and accounting of public record shows. Uh, this uh, week, uh, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced that the administration was sending more than $12.2 million to NGOs like Catholic Charities, the Salvation Army, United Way, Annunciation House, a Baptist Church Association, an Episcopal Diocese, and Lawyers for Good Government Foundation, among others, for their facilitating illegal immigration. So it's not just the uh, border situation. It's uh, these NGOs that are uh, facilitating a lot of this activity. Likewise, the taxpayer money is going to jurisdictions like Albuquerque, New Mexico, Brownsville, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, McAllen, Texas, Riverside County, uh, El Paso, Texas, and Prima County, uh, Arizona. Annually, the 11 to $22 million illegal or $2 million illegal Aliens living in the U.S. cost Americans $163 billion. That's right, $163 billion, such as a higher housing, and it doesn't include higher housing costs, depleted wages, lost jobs, increased crime, and strained public resources at hospitals and schools. So why is this all going on? Well, I'm sure if you took a look at the, the, the theory of the Democrat Party, these are going to be future Democrat voters and uh, they're simply trying to stack the deck so they can continue their unpopular policies with the American public. Well, the state of Florida has reportedly upended New York State as the second most valuable housing market in the United States. This is according to Zillow. Since June 2022, Florida's housing market has surged past other popular states. Propelled by a 4.3% spike, Florida's housing market sprints past the declining New York which is minus 0.2%, and California, minus 3.3% over the same period, according uh, to the uh, studies. Still, California remains in the top spot with more than $10 trillion in value in the housing market, or 20% of the national total. I didn't realize that. 20% of the national uh, total of housing value in California. Zillow reported that Florida has $3.8 trillion in residential housing value, 
is followed by New York with $3.6 trillion, and Texas and New Jersey also rounding out the top five. Well, this is appalling, actually. In the uh, interview with Swiss magazine uh, Welt Koki, uh, Tucker Carlson claimed that the U.S. government prevented him from interviewing the Russian leader Putin. I've become convinced over the past several years, particularly since the war in Ukraine began, that the world is changing much more quickly than most Americans understand, Carson told the uh, magazine. And because there's virtually no coverage of the rest of the world in America, Americans don't have a good sense of what's going on. I think that's absolutely true. Carson has long expressed his desire to speak with different world leaders, but was prevented by doing so with the constraints of uh, his Fox News job. However, since being fired, Tucker has interviewed a number of world leaders or candidates. I've interviewed a lot of people who run countries or organizations. I've interviewed a lot of leaders in, well, 30 years, he said. That's been my job, he said. He's adding that he spoke with uh, Sheikh Mohammed uh, El Zaid Al Nayan, the president of the United Arab Emirates. He described the Emirati leader as one of the wisest rulers he's ever interviewed, explaining how he's not afraid to admit what he's unsure of. I haven't seen that interview, and I'm looking forward to it. I should probe, I'll watch it this weekend. Wise people admit what they don't know, and I've never seen that before in world leaders. You don't see that in the West, Tucker said. You're not going to uh, interview a presidential candidate in the United States, or a president for that matter, who's willing to say, I don't know the answer. I thought about it, and I'm not sure, he said. They'll never say that because you can't admit what you don't know, Tucker added. Carlson also sat uh, down with a Hungarian Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, I saw that one, who recently warned him that a third world war is knocking on the door when Carlson was asked about why trust in America media has plummeted over the last decade, he had a direct answer. Well, because if you want to subvert a democracy, you need to control the information the citizens receive. That is so telling. I'd argue that the news media in democracies is far less trustworthy than it is in other countries simply because it matters more in a democracy. There have been an aggressive attempt over the number of decades over the part of the uh, people who run the United States to control what is available to our news stations and to our newspapers to control the media, he continued. And they have, he added, asserted that many UA media organizations have been happy to allow it. So he's being censored by the United States. Now, there might be uh, diplomatic reasons why they don't want him to speak with Putin, but I don't think, I think he understands his role as a commentator. It would be great if he could interview Putin. I think there's a couple of sides to everything that's going on in Ukraine. An important factor is for the American people to understand and see uh, who Putin is. And quite frankly, he's been demonized. Uh, not that he's done the right thing. He's certainly uh, uh, done some things that are bad, for example, uh, invading Ukraine. But uh, I think there's more to the story than, than we know and we're allowed to know uh, by the media. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Vaughn's Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center serves uh, dinner Wednesday through Saturday nights, 4 to 8 p.m. Now they serve great breakfasts and lunches. Now dinner, and the menu is terrific. Great value, casual, and I just encourage you to uh, visit Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's the author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. He also writes his column several times weekly uh, on point in Newsmax.com. Professor Bell, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. And Bob, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, Professor. Uh, your latest piece, uh, Biden polls show Dems badly need uh, 2024 plans B, C, and D. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, the uh, sent off on that article was the, the survey by ABC News and uh, in the Washington Post that uh, this is done in September, mid-September, showing that... Uh, Joe Biden was trailing Trump in their survey by double digits, mm-hmm. 42-62. And uh, even the Post couldn't believe it. And they were saying, well, maybe maybe we screwed up. Maybe it was an outlier survey, whatever. It was a pretty big survey. But however you look at it, the... Uh, you know, Biden has been tanking in the polls, and uh, Trump has been gaining. I think we, you know, I don't know how many people watched the uh, Republican debate the other night. I have to confess I didn't because I kind of consider it a non-event. Right. But, uh, I think Trump is leading so much, and uh, everybody's trying to get their Hail Mary pass through, you know, to kind of get on the boards, but I don't, you know, good luck with that. So. Yeah. So you know, we see this this uh, phenomenon now. The survey with uh, the Post and ABC News identified two key issues that they focused on, and one was the economy and people's dissatisfaction with their financial situation over the past, and you know, are things getting any better? Or are they worse? And so on. The people were pretty dismal on that. Another was the border issue, and uh, I think all of us see uh, the kind of panic that's emerging in New York and and uh, other cities, Los Angeles, you know, Las Vegas, uh, even Dallas, Texas, over the uh, in Chicago and migrant population that's moving in and and producing a burden. I propose there's, there's a third one, is the consternation that uh, the more they attack Trump, you know, in the in litigation, the better his his numbers rise. And uh, and and the and the problem, of course, is is that good old uh, good old Joe from Scranton isn't good old Joe from Scranton anymore. He's, people see him as a the family is, is really being quite corrupt and uh, massive cover-up of this being exposed sheet by sheet by now by the uh, 
the uh, House Joint Committees that are looking at the impeachment inquiry. And so I was saying that I think they Democrats really need, well, they actually need more of a plan. They need a total rehab, but uh, but they, they, they need to have a, a solution because Joe is fading. Yeah. It's hard to imagine any any uh, eureka success is going to occur that's going to change things. I think that things will probably continue to uh, slide for for them. And 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 the point is, they don't have any backup. Uh, they don't have a you know their bench has been enormously short, and they do anything with uh, Joe. So I'm under the bus. Uh, they got Kamala to worry about, and and. Uh, and of course, they got Kevin Newsom hiding behind the curtains. Not even hiding behind the curtains. He's he's uh, pretty pretty conspicuously behind the curtains. Yeah, waiting for an opportunity. But good luck with that too. You know, uh, Professor, the the rumor that I'm hearing circulating is the fact that at the Democrat National Convention, they end up. Uh, Michelle Obama is going to parachute in and end up being the candidate. I, I just don't, I don't see that's not palatable to the American people. Although she is pretty popular among the Democrats. Any thoughts about that? Yeah, I do. I've heard that. I've heard the same thing, and and uh, like you, I, I don't believe it. Uh, I mean, I don't. You know, I think, remember an earlier election that was that it was going to be Oprah. You know, and they they keep trying to surface you know black women that would. That could be, con, you know, con, you know, contestants, and uh, you know, I, I just don't see it. I don't. First of all, I'm not sure she wants it. Second of all, I think there'd be a lot of pushback to a, a fourth, you know, essentially a, a fourth Obama term. You know, she's uh, Michelle's got a lot of dirt, and you know, in terms of her background, and I, I wrote about that years ago with Forbes. You know, that mm-hmm. agent dumping in hospitals and you know, black patients and uh, sending them over to other hospitals because they were burdened on the hospital where she worked. And, uh, huh. and, and, and she's, she's a very polarizing figure. Uh, a lot of people recall her saying that first time she was proud of America is when, when her husband, uh, ascended into the, uh, candidacy or presidency. Yeah. And so I, I think everybody's looking for some kind of Hail Mary, change uh, and uh, you know I I just I just don't see it and I think the other thing is that as you say then you know they can bypass all the primaries and then parachute her in but I'm not sure it's that easy to get someone on the ballot yeah on, on these all these different states well you know the the uh kitchen table issues right now. People are just really hurting. There's so many indications that people can't make ends meet more and more using their credit cards and so forth. You know, to me, I think people want to change, and I I just can't believe. And you know what? The, the Democrats did it again. That's, uh, this this uh, judge, uh, this Letitia James case up in New York, uh, he made a summary judgment on the case, and <laughs> <laughs> and again, you know who's going to benefit from that is uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a continuing thing. I think it, I think something I'm going to be watching, and I guess a lot of people will be, is that with the uh, the impeachment inquiry really has two primary objectives. One is to one is to follow the money. And get some evidence that uh, you know it has to be hard bank records, you know that that uh, you know go directly into Joe's pocket, and right. and of course with all the consternation and all the talk, you know, with even Biden about Trump needing to show his tax records, I, I can imagine it's going to be a real a real battle to get the Biden family to release their not just their tax records, because, you know, I'm not sure they reported a lot of this income from mm-hmm. Hunter, but uh, to get their, their actual banking records. And and uh, and it's, it's such a, like you say, such a 
uh, obvious two tier system and yeah and and maybe subpoena maybe the uh inquiry subpoena power will overcome that i don't you know it's just going to be but the other the other the other thing we're going to be looking for is you know please please explain what services the biden's provided to to organize 20 shell companies yeah and and, and create this you know and then and, and payments to nine Biden families from China and so on. There, there's a spectacular lack of curiosity about that on the Democrat side. Certainly. Again, Professor Larry Bell, I hope you'll uh, get his book, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Light by Design. Also, check out Newsmax.com. His column is on point, is the, is the title of the column. I hope you'll uh, take a look at it. Very interesting. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye-bye. I always enjoy it. Thank you. My pleasure, indeed. Always love having Larry on the show. Great way to end uh, the Friday show. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. We've got some great guests lined up for Monday. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.